0: Welcome to Beacon of Reason. Today we're going to start with a series about one person, and that person is David Icke. Now, I know that in society, in general, when you talk about David Icke and people know about him, uh, when people are mainstream, they will stop listening to whatever is going after the word David Icke. Because they say, oh, he's that guy who believes in shapeshifting reptilians. And then they close down and just ignore the rest because that's just ridiculous, right? Um, I'm going actually, in, in this series, I'm going to to give you a perspective that actually explains this whole theory that he has. And that it actually, once you understand that, it actually doesn't sound that ridiculous at all. What I'm going to do in this uh, podcast uh, in this series, actually. I'm going to um, read excerpts from his... Um, I believe it is his latest book. Let me just uh, check that. If it's actually really his latest book. He is working on another book right now. Um, this one is from which year? Um, oh, that's 2017. I, I don't think... Well, maybe it is his latest book. I, I I thought he kind of writes a book every year. But anyway, the book is called Everything You Need to Know But I've Never Been Told. That's the book that I'm, that I'm going to read excerpts from. And we're, and we're going to talk about the stuff that he says. And let's see if this guy is really crazy, right? So I'm going to um, read some excerpts from his book. Uh, of course, I'm not going to read the whole book. First of all, of course, because there is copyright on this book. And second of all, because this book is um, uh, very interesting, so I would really recommend you read it for yourself, to read it for yourself. But I'm going to read some parts of it, and we're going to talk about what he writes. And we're going to chapter one, The Biggest Need to Know. And um, it starts with this quote from E.B. White. The world is full of people who have never since childhood met an open doorway with an open mind end of quote Once upon a no time in a land called forever there was only awareness in awareness of itself all possibility and all potential waiting to manifest there was no form only the potential imagination of form of every possible kind this was the infinite state of pure awareness from which all that we think we see has ultimately come That opening paragraph captured so many common themes encoded in the narratives and symbolism of religion and the myths, legends and accounts of native and ancient peoples the world over. They further include the story of how a negative or evil force emerged to challenge the omnipotence of the original creative force. From this appeared the universal theme of God versus the devil or Satan and endless other names awarded to to this source of chaos. Upheaval and manipulation. Most people can't see the commonalities amid the apparent confusion of different religions, names, cultures, and emphasis. But if you can see past the differing detail, the basic same story—the same basic story—is in plain sight. This is only possible, however, if you can expand perception beyond the dots and see themes and connections that then come clearly into view. Followers and advocates of religions and storytellers among native peoples continue to use the language of the ancient originators. And this can obscure the fact that what is being described can today be expressed in the language of science and computation. They will talk of the father and the son, for example, when these were only the terms used to describe massive, through ultimately simple concepts in a way that those of the time could grasp. What is the point of talking about quantum physics and quantum computers to people still knocking rocks together? Storytellers and carriers of the knowledge obviously used contemporary terms and symbols to get their point across, and this was true of all religions and forms of worship. That was fine and essential then, but the narrative needs to move on. Knowledge of the hidden realms of quantum mechanics and so much else has expanded dramatically, while religions and native peoples with honorable exceptions, continue to use the language of another age. An update is urgently required, and that is one aim of this book. We will see that 1. Themes of religions and native cultures are basically correct emphasis often on the basically 2. Most accounts have become so inverted and distorted from the original that billions today are following and worshipping the very opposite of what they think they are. 3. We should not be worshipping anything, or anybody, when we are the anybody, or everybody, and anything, everything. To show this to be true requires a total re-evaluation of what we call reality, the world we think we see, and with which we think we daily interact. I have called this opening chapter, The Biggest Need to Know, because without this knowledge, nothing else can make any sense. And its suppression has ensured that generation after generation, in culture upon culture, complete entire lifetimes while never answering the basic questions of Who am I? Where am I? What am I doing here? There is a fundamental secret behind why the answers have been kept from us. And when that feel is lifted, hum- human society, ancient and modern, morphs into crystal clarity. It is indeed a case of everything you need to know but have never been told, systematically imposed ignorance and traps humanity in perceptual servitude and allows the tiny few to control the very many. If we are to free ourselves from this tyranny, the veil of perceptual illusion must first be lifted. Now, of course, this book is going to get into that perceptual illusion and what it is, and we're also going to into the question Is there anything real? That's a good question, isn't it? Is there anything real? Well, we're going to explore that in this um, series. Here's another excerpt from chapter one. I'm not reading everything, like I said. I'm just reading some parts of it. But that's the only way to do this, because... David Icke has written this book. He has put a lot of effort into writing this book. And I'm not going to be right, um, putting this all free on the internet for you to listen to without him making you know, money off, out of it. Because I think people need to be rewarded for the work that they do. So that's the b- way it's going to be. But there's a lot of interesting stuff here to talk about. So the next part I'm going to read is the part that is called the all-that-is. We are awareness, a state of being aware. Everything else is detail and illusion. We are not our body. We are that which is aware and experiencing through the body. Awareness in the purest sense has no form, but it can experience through form. In its most expanded state, it is not even energy. It just is. Our awareness is an expression of the totality of awareness. Hence, some religions and native peoples speak of being aspects or children of God or the Great Spirit. Other religions condemn a blasphemy any claim that we are God, what I call infinite awareness, in its endless and various forms. This serves the manufactured and enslaving belief that we are insignificant, detached, isolated and powerless. None of this is true at the deepest of levels, but it serves the agenda of human control by peddling an acceptance of impotence, servitude and know your place. The late great English-born philosopher Alan Watts, who lived from 1915 to 1973, was right when he said, God is what no one admits to being and everyone is. Religious frocks are symbols of this manipulated sense of detachment and isolation as they stand as sentinels between believers and the perceived deity. They know God better than you do. And the Pope, Rabbi, Imam are his best mates. What breathtaking nonsense it all is. We are point of attention within infinite awareness as infinite awareness infinit- infinitely experiences itself. This doesn't mean that every point is infinitely aware. If you stand on a mountain, you can see a great panorama. But if you stand in a pitch-black room, you can see nothing. Both are points of attention, awareness. And yet their perception of reality is dramatically different. Yes, that's true. Some people are standing on a mountain, and other people are standing in the dark. And the people standing in the dark say... All this stuff that you see, all this stuff that you see standing on that mountain is not there. You are crazy. Because all I see is darkness in front of me. Maybe I see a chair in front of me. Right? But that's all I see. Both are points of attention, where your awareness is. So if your awareness is expanded, it is impossible for you to make the other person see what you see and here is my conclusion from that don't try it's a waste of your time it's a waste of your energy it is now 2020 we have experienced the lockdown we've experienced we are still we are, we are experiencing a brave new world today with all these social distancing stuff and um other outrageous rules and regulations. We don't have time for people who still want to maintain in, um, who still want to stay in the mainstream narrative. We don't have time for them anymore. They have all the information that they need available to them. And they have all been exposed to that information at one time or another. And they chose to look away. That's a choice. You cannot make them choose differently. And don't even try. Only when some person comes to you and says, well, I've heard you say some interesting things, right? And I've never taken them seriously, but now I'm thinking about them. Could you talk about it more? Well, then you have someone who wants to expand his awareness. But otherwise, don't even bother. Don't go into... When you are uh, in the discussion forum or anywhere, you see these trolls saying, you know, um, you're a conspiracy theorist, or you are, al- um, you know, a- a- aluminium tinfoil hats wearing people. Don't go into them. You don't need to convince them otherwise. They have all the information available to them, that's why they are at, their, at those forums and they just choose to ignore it. There is a term that I use for these people. I'm not going to say it on the air, but you don't, that's the most, that's the greatest thing. You don't need to say it. You don't need to say it. And deep inside they know, and that's all that matters. It's not what they say out in the, in the, in the, uh, in those forums on the outside. It's what they feel in the inside. And that's a big battle that's going on there. It's the cognitive dissonance that they're fighting. And they're losing it by the day. Because reality is catching up on them. Let's continue. So it is with the human mind and infinite awareness in its totality, or in current human terms, even vastly less than its totality. Human consciousness is so asleep... So imprisoned by illusion, it is hardly conscious at all. The droplet is the ocean, and the ocean is the droplet. But not every droplet is as aware as the ocean, if they become perceptually isolated from the whole. Words like infinite and totality are themselves a misnomer for awareness beyond time and space, or our perceptions of them. But they serve a purpose to contrast with human perceptual myopia. Infinite awareness just is... It is an isness, a state of awareness that knows all and sees all because it is all. The range of potential states of awareness, therefore, span all possibility from infinite awareness in awareness of itself to someone who thinks she's just Mary or Margaret working on the checkout. Humanity is big time at the lower end collectively of this perceptual skill, but equally big time, we don't have to be. Then he goes on, talking about his own experience with infinite awareness. And that's a very interesting story that he tells there in in his book. Okay, and after that story, we continue. Ancient and native cultures the world over have their own names for this force that gives life to everything. Lakota people in the United States speak of Wakantanka, Wakantanka, or the force which moves all things. This is a wonderful description of the all that is. Great spirit is another. You can liken infinite awareness to an infinite ocean of infinite possibility. We give names to different oceans like the Atlantic, Pacific and Indian, but they are all the same body of water. We give names to people, countries, cultures, trees, mountains, air, rain, planets, stars and galaxies, but they are all the same ocean of infinite awareness in different manifestations. Once we become disconnected from the influence of expanded realms of this awareness, our sense of isolation and apartness from everything else leads to a self-identity with, no- with name, race, culture, religion, job, lifestyle and life story. These are not who we are. Only what we are cur- currently experiencing. They are an experience, not an I. This is very important. If you think you are your job, if you think you are your name, if you are your family name, if you think you are your race, which is a ridiculous concept in itself already, uh, you are your culture, you are your religion, that's not who you are. That's just what you have been told to be. And these are like roles that you take on. As soon as you say, okay, this is who I am, then you behave the way you are. Or not the way you are, you behave the way that is the information field, which we're, which David Icke is going to talk about later. The information field that is attached to that identification and this is why identity politics is so i don't i wouldn't call it dangerous piece because we're beyond this point now it is 2020 right but they're still trying the identity politics you are not any of those groups and if you think you are you're just missing the point you're just missing the point The only thing these things are, are an experience. Let's continue. This is the self-identity that I call phantom self. And it is the foundation of human misery, emotional trauma and control. The late singer and writer Leonard Cohen said, If you don't become the ocean, you'll be seasick all your life. If you don't become one with infinite awareness, you'll only perceive a little isolated me Powerless in the face of forces and events you cannot control. Oh, but you can. Near death experiencers galore have described realities outside this perceptual prison of the body in extremely common terms. One said, It's like being half asleep when I was alive and totally awake after I was pronounced dead. Anita Morjani, author of Dying to Be Me, said after her own out of body experience, when we are not expressing pressing in our physical body, you and I and all of us, we are expressions of the same consciousness. So, if you think you are your brain, well, it is obvious that these near-death experiences happen when the brain is not active. So that means that your brain is actually holding you back from higher consciousness instead of being your consciousness. When people say consciousness is your brain, well, near-death experiences, they um, uh, point out or they point you in the direction of the thought that actually your brain is holding consciousness down. It's not a vehicle for consciousness. It is actually putting a like firewall between your consciousness and you, maybe even. That's just the thought that is going up in my mind. What if that is true? Well, at least near-death experiences, once you take them seriously, um, then you know that they cannot make you believe anymore that your brain is your consciousness. So, I'm going to skip some more parts, which are very interesting, because every page is interesting, every sentence is interesting of this book. And we continue. We have infinite awareness in awareness of itself that pervades everything, the force which moves all things, and its creation and, ex- and creations that express themselves as realms of energy, frequency, and vibration. These creations, worlds, or realities can share the same space or the illusion of it because they operate on different frequencies. What we call our visible universe is one such frequency-band reality and operates as a quantum computer system. These are defined as a computer that makes use of the quantum states of electrons and other particles to store and process information. Put more simply, the universe is a quantum computer that stores information in the very energetic fabric of our reality, and the computing power of quantum states is absolutely off the scale. Current computers are limited by their choice between 1 and 0 which represent charges of electricity that are either on or off. Quantum computing has no such limits and is quite capable of creating and processing universes. This is the technology that we have today. And mainstream scientists are more and more saying that we are living in a simulation. Now I know that is something that, if you are very spiritually oriented, is something that you probably have some difficulty with um, pondering. Because we like to believe that the world that we're, in, that we're in is a biological world and is a natural world, and we are natural beings. Um, and David Icke is saying... Well, the, what you are seeing, what you are perceiving, the reality that you are perceiving, is not a natural thing. But if you think that everything then, the whole existence is a joke, which is what these scientists want you to believe, well, that is not the case either. And we're going to go into that. So in this way, we're going to, if you uh, have difficulties, if you have cognitive dissonance with this, or maybe not cognitive dissonance, but you just don't feel comfortable. Well, that's actually the same most of the time. But don't feel comfortable with the idea because you so much want to believe that this is a natural world. Then we can put you at ease. You can still ponder the um, this, is an, uh, this is a this is a simulation part, and yet know that you. Are natural we're gonna to come to that we're gonna to come to that think of a cosmic Wi-Fi field of, or fields you can't see Wi-Fi but a computer can decode that hidden information source into a global collective reality on the screen that we call the Internet or World Wide Web the universe is information stored in the unseen like you can't see Wi-Fi and what I will call the human body mind is a biological computer in the widest possible sense of that definition which decodes the Wi-Fi information construct of the universe into a perception of physical reality on our screen what we experience as the brain and genetic structure as a whole so what's the function of the brain? the function of the brain is to decode that which is code to decode the simulation so that it becomes an experience for you interesting, right? Elite and massively funded projects around the world are developing quantum computers that mimic our very reality, with monsters like Google seeking to lead the way for reasons that will become clear. So these companies, they are funding projects to mimic our reality, uh, which is already a simulation. So they want to create a simulation within a simulation. Here's another point staring us in the face. We have quantum physics because the universe is a quantum computer. Our quantum computer universe is interactive in the sense that we take information and perceptions from the energetic construct and post our own thoughts, perceptions and emotions to impact on the universe. I call it the cosmic internet. The human body-brain is a biological quantum computer and so are planets, stars and everything in our reality as expressions of the quantum computer universe. Cosmic Wi-Fi or waveform information fields are the foundation of the universe and we decode the universe that we think we see from those fields in the way I will be describing. The universe can be summed up in one word, information, and even more accurately in five Information encoding and decoding information The computer-internet analogy is apt again. A desktop computer is information encoded to decode information and information sources like disks, data sticks and the internet are encoded to be decoded. Everything is interacting, encoded and decoded information, and so is our physical reality. The only place that the internet appears as we experience it with graphics, pictures and text is on the screen. Yeah, that's the experience, what's on the screen. But everywhere else, it is just information in other forms. And the same is true of the way we decode reality. The foundation state of the universe is waveform information, or what some call the metaphysical universe. Our five senses... Convert this waveform information source into electrical signals and send them to the brain, which constructs the reality that we think we see, touch, taste, hear and smell. Take a simple flame on a candle. This seems to be so real, but it is only decoded electromagnetic energy, information. We create the flame that we think we see. Robert Lanza, an American medical doctor and scientist, writes in his excellent book Biocentrism, biocentrism, co-written with Bob Berman, that a flame is merely hot gas emitting photons, which are tiny packets of electromagnetic energy, each pulsing electrically and magnetically. The brain produces the flame that we see by decoding that information. Lanza explains, it is easy to recall from everyday experience that neither electricity nor magnetism have visual properties. So, on its own, it's not hard to grasp that there is nothing inherently visual. Nothing bright or colored about the candle flame. Now, let these same invisible electromagnetic waves strike a human retina. And if, and only if, the waves happen to measure between 400 and 700 nanometers in length from crest to crest, then their energy is just right to deliver a stimulus to the 8 million cone-shaped cells in the retina. Each in turn send an an electrical pulse to a neighbor neuron. And on up the line this, this goes at 250 miles per hour until it reaches the warm, wet occipital lobe of the brain in the back of the head. There, a cascading complex of neurons fire from the incoming stimuli and we subjectively perceive this experience as a yellow brightness occurring in a place we have been conditioned to call the external world. That's how we... Decode this information. A little later in the uh, chapter. Our five senses of sight, hearing, taste, touch and smell are decoding systems. They take waveform information from the cosmic internet and turn it into electrical information which they communicate to the brain. These are different forms of the same information. Different parts of the brain specialize in decoding information from different senses. The brain decodes electrical information into digital and holographic, illusory physical information that we perceive in our heads as the world around us. There is in fact no world around us, and everything exists only in the brain and genetic structure in the form that we think we are experiencing outside of ourselves. Computers work the same way. Information decoding systems and what appears on the screen are all happening inside the computer. There is a phenomenon called synesthesia in which senses emerge and someone can hear words and music while at the same time tasting them. Different words and songs in their experience have different tastes. Our decoding processes and how they function create our reality inside the brain. That is also why when you take, for example, ayahuasca, um, you can taste colors and um, hear, so- uh, uh, hear, um, uh, hear smells, right? Um, because it kind of messes up a little bit your, the way you decode the information. And therefore, um, a sound may be decoded as a smell, and a smell may be decoded as a color, And so your perception of everything around you changes. And um, I've never taken ayahuasca, and I'm probably never going to do that either because I don't need those substances Um, because I've already had experiences myself earlier in my life that um, point out I need no substances whatsoever Um, because it's your awareness that triggers some experiences, and you don't actually need those experiences, only to wake you up, if you've not waken up, you can, you, 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 these experiences might wake you up, and that's probably the only purpose that they have, to make you, to make you understand that life is so much more than what you see around you, and and, uh, experience around you, so we go on, Everything I have said here about the brain and the senses is confirmed by the experience of playing virtual reality video games, which hack into the five senses and override their normal decoded reality with another artificial information source that appears to be so real. A writer in a British newspaper described the experience of playing one such game. Quote, the striking aspect of the game is the physical sensation of playing it. I feel and therefore believe that I am physically moving back and forth, as though I am on a chair on wheels. External reality has fallen away, and I am in a strange and compelling world, anxious not to fall off the terrifying precipices. My brain sends signals to my body that create the illusion that it's shooting around like a pinball, when in fact I am stationary. That could end of quote. That could have been a description of human life, because the principles are just the same. I saw an experiment which involved a doll wearing a virtual reality headset. A group of people were also given headsets that produced the illusion that their bodies were the doll's body. The doll was then touched, and an inject- had an injection in the eye and messed with in other ways, and each time the group reacted as if it was being done to them. What does that sound like? Wom? Well, voodoo, right? When someone takes a doll that is just an inanimate object in our limited awareness, and, and, and that person, in a way, puts your energy field, ma- makes your energy field connected to that, they can hurt you. And therefore, this is not supernatural. This can be explained easily by this theory of... This being a simulation. Continuing on, they were feeling in their own bodies that was being that uh, what was being done to the doll. This is how powerful and perception controlling even virtual reality at the current human level of development can be. Never mind what is actually possible. Another excerpt, excerpt: Information content and the illusion of physical existence are inextricably linked because what we perceive as physical. Is information content form is inform action decoded from waveform states. Yes, and then we go on. Uh, Grazina Fosar and Franz Bludorf write in the German book "Vernetzte Intelligence. Intelligenz, intelligenz. I'm not. Uh, I actually, uh, I know how to pronounce some words in German, uh, but I might just mess this up. So sorry for German peop- speaking people. Although I am Dutch, um, it's been too long. I'm, I'm very good at languages, but it's been too long since I learned, learned German. And therefore, I forgot the way to pronounce words. So, uh, excuse me for that. Vernetzte Intelligence. Intelligence. No, it's not intelligence. Vernetzte intelli- Intelligence. I think that's it. For, maybe for Ver, Vernetzte intelligence intelligence okay this is the quote from them the latest research explains phenomena such as clairvoyance intuition spontaneous and remote acts of healing self-healing affirmation techniques unusual light auras around people namely spiritual masters minds influence on weather weather patterns and much much more The Russian scientists also found out that our DNA can cause disturbing patterns in the vacuum, thus producing magnetized wormholes. Wormholes are the microscopic equivalents of the so-called Einstein-Rosen bridges in the vicinity of black holes left by burned-out stars. These are tunnel connections between entirely different areas in the universe through which information can be transmitted outside of space and time. The DNA at- attracts these bits of information and passes them on to our consciousness. End of quote. What ha- whatever happened to little me? By expanding the frequency band on which DNA is operating, by expanding our consciousness, we can connect with other realities beyond the five senses as physics and mediums do. And therefore, this is not a supernatural thing. It can be explained by science. We can heal and be healed remotely remotely by using our consciousness to deliver harmonizing frequencies to another's DNA. We can do this to ourselves through consciousness communication with our own DNA. This is the background to how mind can miraculously heal the body. Now, this leads me to this wonderful effect that is embraced by all mainstream medical science, which is called the, you might guess it, it is the yes placebo effect, isn't it? Quite remarkable that a medical world, the medical world which which has which still has the um, materialistic paradigm, that they actually that they say well, if you take for example a a homeopathic uh, medicine, which to the mainstream science means just water, right? Because the original um, medicine has been continuously um, made thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner until it is pretty negligible what is still in the water. That is homeopathy. So they say it cannot have an effect. So if it does have an effect, well, that is because of the placebo effect. And A lot of people who are mainstream say, oh yes, okay. But the placebo effect does not fit into the materialistic paradigm of medical science because the materialistic paradigm of medical science says only substances can make things happen. But since this substance is so low, in this water it's pretty negligible it cannot according to our worldview according to our paradigm it cannot have any effect on your body and then it must be the placebo effect but what is the placebo effect it is that you believe that this is going to heal you and it heals you so what they are saying medical mainstream people are saying mind over matter is a real thing Go to someone mainstream or a doctor, a mainstream doctor, and say, do you believe in mind over matter? I can guarantee you this mainstream doctor is going to say, no, I don't. Then ask the next question. Then what is the placebo effect? Stutter, 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 stutter. Uh, 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 uh. And they might find a clever way going around your question. But the placebo effect is mind over matter because they say if you believe that it's going to heal you, that actually can heal you. And if you question them long enough, they will have to con- uh, have to um, admit that they do believe in mind over matter when it comes to placebo effect. But only in placebo effects, right? The rest of our theory that only material things can influence material things. Right? like the body, which is material to them as well, um, and that is still correct. So it doesn't destroy our worldview of how um, you know, the, the body works or how the universe works or how biological systems work. It's just an anomaly that we just accept. right? <laughs> like the, um, the exception of the rule that, um, that underlines that, that rule. Somehow, which is if you think about that saying, um, that's a ridiculous saying in itself as well, because if there is an exception, then the rule doesn't apply. That's just as simple as that. Only if the exception is within the rule. Like when you say you can, when I say you can uh, um, go into my house, uh, but only if you are um, barefoot, right? Only if you take your shoes off. Well, that's the rule then. But if I say you can always get, get come into my house, right? And then I refuse someone. I let everybody in, but I refuse someone, and I'm not saying why. Uh, then I say no. I'm just making exception of exception of exception of you, and then you say, well, everyone was invited in your home. Why am I not invited? Um, that's not. Uh, that's not. Logical and I say, well, no. This exception is uh, underlining the rule that I have that everyone is welcome. That's the same kind of nonsense, basically. So the placebo effect is proving that the whole medical paradigm of physicality is not working. So either they have to accept placebo effect, which they do, and they use it to discredit. Things like homeopathy, so they discredit something they see as a magical kind of thinking with magical kind with magical thinking. That's so funny, isn't it? If you think about that, and they think they are totally one hundred percent left brain thinking in, and they're one hundred percent correct in reasoning. Good luck with that. So yes, our mind can heal the body. And yes, you can take not even a homeopathic because I've, I actually have seen that homeopathy has worked. I've seen it worked on, work on an animal which was n- near to death and um, was miraculously recovered and lived for four more years. That animal did not think Wow, this this substance is going to make me better. So mainstream, can, and then but then they say, well, that's just substantial evidence. We need double blind, etc., etc., etc. But we don't have money to investigate in homeopathy. Why? Because it doesn't fit our paradigm, and because we th- only believe that material things can change material things or can influence material things, then we're not gonna make money and time to do double-blind tests for homeopathy. And so that is the way they are um, operating. But that's not a fair way. (laughs) So have they convinced me? No, they haven't, including a lot of other people. And you're not going to convince these people with being unreasonable. Reality is designed to make this possible how mind can miraculously heal the body but that knowledge has been suppressed to keep us in ignorance of our true power placebo pills trick the mind into believing they will be effective in curing illness and the mind's perception of this is communicated subconsciously to the body which can which then responds to that perception and heals itself yes that's the placebo effect uh, surgeon andrew carr professor of orthopedic surgery at the University of Oxford said that thousands of patients may be cured not by the operation but by a belief that an unnecessary operation would remove the problem studies have shown that patients who have fake surgery but believe they have had the real thing can recover almost or or equally as well as those who have genuinely had the operation and this is what mainstream um, um, medical doctors they say yes that's true absolutely Yes, but it doesn't fit your medical paradigm. You cannot hold these two thoughts together. You cannot say only material things can change material things. And therefore, we only do pharmaceutical solutions, right? And physical operations. And then say, well, but mind over matter is also a thing. And the placebo effect is a real thing. And the placebo effect we use to debunk any... Uh, sort of um, um, medical treatments or uh, natural medical treatments that, uh, that don't fit our paradigm. That's just so illogical. It's so illogical. Think about it for a minute. Just sit with it for a minute. If you're a medical doctor and you are still in the mainstream thought about this, think about This doesn't make sense. You are holding two beliefs that are opposite to each other And you are using an opposite belief of your paradigm to discredit something that is opposed to your paradigm. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Okay, so I skip a few more, a few pages more, and we go into this interesting stuff. A few scientists over the years have postulated that the physical world only exists when we look at it. They call this the observer effect. Support for this contention is now gathering in the science community, among those who have ditched the song sheet, that is. But I suggest they are missing the key word here, decoding. Right, this is a key concept. It is not so much the observer effect as the decoder effect. The connection between the two is that the act of observation or focus activates the decoding systems of the brain body. When we are not looking, decoding, then reality is always in a waveform state. Only when we decode waveform information into what is holographic information does the 3D world that we know appear to us, in our own minds. We are seeing more and more mainstream headlines like this one. Your entire life is an illusion. New tests back up theory that the the world doesn't exist until we look at it. The article goes on to say that the famous theory in quantum mechanics which argues that a particle's behavior changes based on what we see had now been proved to be true on the scale of atoms in a new experiment by scientists at the Australian National University. At the quantum level, reality does not exist if you are not looking at it, said associate professor Andrew Truscott. Or Truscott. There is another aspect to this as well. Perceptions of the observer influence the way we decode reality from the information possibilities and probabilities encoded in the cosmic internet. Two different perceptions of reality will not decode exactly the same outcome in the same way. The process is encompassed in this quote from writer Joseph Michael Straczynski. Accidents happen, that's what everybody says, but in a quantum universe there are no such things as accidents. Only possibilities and probabilities folded into existence by perception. End of quote. Yes, perception. Endless experiments have shown how people add things to their visual reality that are not actually there, but they believe should be. My biggest book in terms of volume is called The Perception Deception, because the entire control system of human society is based on the manipulation of perception. I'm just going to stop here. So what we are what we have seen here what we're talking about here is that it is the decoding of the reality that um makes it a real thing. So the whole quantum mechanics, the whole quantum uh science that seemed like such a mystery like is it a waveform or is it a particle? If I want to measure its speed, it's a waveform. If I want to measure its position, it's a particle. How come? How can it be two at the same time? Well, it is just information. It's not two at the same time. Yeah, it is two at the same time, but it's also neither of the same time at the same time because it's just information. And the way you look at it, is how you're going to decode it. And if you get a brain injury, you might decode things differently and see things differently because the, the decoding has changed. The reality has not changed, but the decoding has changed. So there's no mystery anymore. I'm sorry to say that because it was fun. And I've made a few episodes about the Mandela effect, which were very interesting. And it's a very interesting thing. But once you know this, it all makes sense. And it's not that my- mysterious and not that strange anymore to think that reality can change anytime. time. Because it's just information. And your consciousness might just make it decode differently. In the physical world, magic cannot exist. okay, But in the simulation, it can. You can play video games where you can use magic. Those video games are simulations. And because it is just computer code, you can make that computer code change objects. Right? And you can say, well, when you use this spell, this object is going to change. You can program a a computer game like that. And about that, um, I have made some uh, Mandela Effect episodes and I've um, put all of them offline I've actually um, um, removed my whole YouTube uh, channel because I don't want to be on YouTube anymore for several reasons, and if you I don't want to give Google this um, this stuff. And also, um, since I've been looking at the world differently, my viewpoint has changed since I made those episodes, and therefore uh, it doesn't really represent how I look at things now. What I will do, however, and probably I've already done, when you're listening to this, I will put back on the interviews that I did, uh, one with Cynthia Sue Larson and the other one with uh, the Quantum Businessman, because they were very interesting conversations, and they're actually more interesting once you get to see how reality is is uh, is um, working. Because this is, a, I am convinced now, this is a, a, a simulation, and we're going to go investigate that. And we're going to use David Icke's book to get into it. It's a very interesting direction we're going to take. And we're going to solve a lot of mysteries. But we're also going to look into some stuff that might have just looked at crazy conspiracy theories. But once you understand the reality, it's all not crazy anymore. It is just very understandable. And it's just very reasonable. And so, Beacon of Reason is going to go into that. Our reality is a code that we decode. And depending on our consciousness, our experience is is therefore different. And that is also why I believe that people who wake up can experience things like Mandela effects or reality changes. Because something changes in your decoding and therefore you're going to see strange things which are not strange when you understand this is all a part of this is all just a, a, a simulation and you play a part in that simulation as well. Okay, so we're going to go into this further in next episodes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you uh, want to dive into the book yourself of David Icke, the book is called Everything you need to know but have never been told by David Icke. It's a very interesting book. Okay, so thank you for listening and uh, until uh, next time.